Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 433. Thanksgiving is a great time to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise because it allows you to get away on a time of year where you probably have off of work and school and get to celebrate with friends and family one of the best holidays out there, Thanksgiving. This week's episode has a review of a Thanksgiving cruise on Adventure of the Seas. Here we go. One of my favorite times to go on a Royal Caribbean cruise is over a holiday, especially Thanksgiving, great prices, good itineraries, and you don't have to cook for yourself. And this week, we've got a cruise review from a Thanksgiving cruise on Adventure of the Seas. Joining me on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast is Peter Mitchell. Peter, welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Awesome to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me here. And uh, many of our uh, listeners know I was on Harmony of the Seas for Thanksgiving, and you were on the Adventure of the Seas sailing out of Galveston. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, four nights. Four nights. So is this your first Thanksgiving cruise, or have you done Thanksgiving before? No, it's our first ever Thanksgiving cruise. Ooh, so what what compelled you to try a, a cruise over Thanksgiving? Because that's, you know, it's a pretty big holiday. It was an act of rebellion, really. And <laughs> um, I think we booked it in January or February, but it was just one of those things where we have finally in 2022 – we'll be taking a cruise on symphony that should have been taken in 2020. And, you know, everything just kept getting canceled. And we finally like, okay, vaccines were rolling out in early in 2021. And we thought maybe let's book this and maybe it will happen. And so uh, it was just sort of a rebellion against all of the cancellation that we'd done or the postponing. And so um, we had ordinarily gone to see my wife's grandmother. She's 90 um, you know, we were still not sure if visiting her was going to be an option yet. And so, uh, we, we booked this cruise and then the, oh, not the rest of the family, but a lot of the rest of the family got the bug too. And so then it was the four of us, my wife and our two kids, nine and 11, and then my wife's parents, and then an aunt and a cousin on that side. And so we had a little mini family reunion on board. That's fantastic. I mean, it's uh, listen, family cruising is, is where it's at. It's great to be able to celebrate and, and spend time with family because you get to see everybody, but you're not joined at the hip. And then on top of that, it's a holiday. So you get to still celebrate the holiday together. You're not kind of going off on your own, um, but you're, but you still get that family connection without feeling like, again, it's like a scene out of like, you know, a national lampoon movie where you're on top <laughs> of each other and it, it's a little much. So uh, adventure of the sea sailing out of Galveston. Of course, uh, as many of you recall, adventure was sailing out of Nassau, Bahamas earlier this summer. And now she moved over to Galveston to do her cruises over there. And, uh, where Pete, do you, do you live close by to Galveston? Were you able to drive or is this a flying cruise? So we drove, we live in McKinney, Texas, about 30 minutes North of Dallas. Okay. And, um, and it was actually, I mean, this was like a dream come true. We had spent the previous, we moved here in, June of 2020, which was not a great time to relocate cross country. And we had lived the previous 11 years in Iowa. And we were so excited about having a drivable port um, because Cedar Rapids and Des Moines, Iowa are not huge airports. And so we would spend as much on air travel as we would on cruise fare. And so we drove in the night before. Uh, we left Sunday after church, drove down, uh, spent that night in Galveston, and then got on Monday morning. Fantastic. So pretty easy to, uh, where'd you stay in Galveston? And people are always looking for good hotel recommendations. Anything uh, we recommend? stayed at the Doubletree and it was awesome. Good. It was, you know, on, Ga on at Galveston, everything is across the street from the beach. Um, but, you know, we, every room in that hotel has a balcony that faces the beach. Uh, you know, it wasn't super great weather, but it was nice scenery. And, 
Yeah, I had a nice night there in Galveston. Fantastic. What kind of stateroom did you have on? Well, actually, before we get to that for a second, how was the check-in process, the embarkation process in Galveston? If we didn't have our children with us, it would have been seamless and like super fast. Yep. Um, with our kids, since they were under 12 and unvaccinated, we had to get them tested. That was relatively ordinary, um, except that um, it, you know, they said it'd take about 45 minutes. 45 minutes comes and goes after about 47 minutes, then you're going, okay, what's going on here? Right. And then slowly we started to see more and more official looking people show up um, like earpieces and clipboards and like, Oh, something is wrong here. And uh, it turns out that a child from another party had tested positive at their portside uh, COVID test. Hmm. And so um, I, based on the reaction and kind of the wrench that it seemed to throw into the system, I didn't get the impression this happens often. Um, but so we were about an hour and a half between COVID test and getting on board, um, which was longer than I anticipated. But I think I had heard you say in a previous podcast that maybe it was either a, a somebody who had, um, was on the show, or maybe it was you, one of your kids that there was a testing issue and you had to do it again or yep. something. So I sort of anticipated that that 45 minute window may not be, um, it, what we should bank on. Um, uh, the other thing I'll say about the check-in process is, you know, you have to have your negative test for everybody. You have to have for vaccinated uh, passengers, you have to have your vaccine card with you. I'm not going to tell anybody out. I'm going to speak as vaguely as I can, but just if you have a two shot vaccine, say I'm Pfizer, yep. um, make sure that if you have Pfizer or Moderna or one of the two-shot vaccines, that the manufacturer name is listed for both doses. Yep. That's all I'm going to tell you. Just hmm. make sure that happens. Yep. And I'm looking at my card. It's just funny you mentioned that. I, my card's on my desk. I take it out and I see right there Moderna and, you know, it's it's listed there. But, uh, yeah, you got to have make sure all your paperwork is, is in order, certainly. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so you get on board Adventure of the Seas. What kind of stateroom did you have? So we had we took a, a page out of the Royal Caribbean blog podcast playbook <laughs> and booked two interior adjoining staterooms. Nice. And I will never, ever, ever <laughs> shoehorn my family of four into a single stateroom ever again in my life. <laughs> Preach. Amen. Yes. There, never. You know, never. No going back they nope. did, you, you know at 9 and 11 our kids are just old enough now where they're done sharing a bed um everybody's life is easier with two bathrooms two closets two televisions not that there's much to watch on tv but it was amazing and and a common door separating you so you could they could go to sleep on their schedule you guys can do whatever you want on your schedule yes. but it's it's such an important thing yeah I, i'm and a lot of people always think you know oh peter two rooms my god you must be made out of money it's really not that much more, especially, you know, if you're going down, like maybe you compared to like maybe four of you in a balcony room versus four, you know, two and two, it's really not that much different in price. It's not a, it's not like you're doubling your cost. Don't assume that's the case that you can find some creative ways to make it manageable. But my goodness, once you go that route, it's definitely the way to go for families. 
No, as a matter of fact, it decreased the cost of the cruise to move from four of us in a single balcony stateroom to go to two interiors. There you go. And we are booked on Symphony in July of 2022. And we had been booked. That's a big family cruise. We had been booked on uh, a balcony stateroom. And we hadn't, I, I don't even think we'd eaten dinner on Monday. And I shot a text message off to our travel agent and said, please research adjoining staterooms. <laughs> And, and she did, and she booked us on it, and it dropped the fare $600. Wow. I mean, so it's, it's, I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but um, you know, even if it were marginally more, it would have to be a whole lot more for me not to want to do it. Yeah, no, it's, it's by far the way to go. So uh, This is a four-night cruise. So I'm imagining you went to Cozumel was your only port stop. Is that accurate? That is correct. We cruised on – we got on Monday – Cruise Monday, cruise Tuesday, Cozumel on Wednesday, and then cruised home on Thanksgiving. Nice. So what did you think about Adventure of the Seas? Was this your first time on Adventure? It was. We had been on, I believe it's the same class as Mariner. Yep. Is that correct? That's correct. We had been on Mariner exact, well, almost 10 years before. Uh, Christmas of uh, 2011, we'd been on Mariner. So we had a sense of kind of, you know, what we were in for. Um, and it, it was, you know... It, I am a very low standard cruiser. Um, and you layer on top of that, that we hadn't cruised since 2018. So, I mean, I could have, I could have made my own bed and done my own laundry and been thrilled. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it was great. I mean, the, the staff was, uh, you know, excited to be there, ready to serve fun to be around. We had, um, you know, food was great, uh, accommodations all the way around. Everything was clean and ready to go. And, um, you know, you, you couldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't tell that it had, you know, been through, uh, I imagine it did a lot of heavy lifting this summer, um, with a lot of cruise hungry passengers. Uh, but now it was in great shape. We, uh, my daughter found the flow rider day one. And, uh, you know, the only downside I will say is, from a kind of facility standpoint is that the water slides, the big water slides on that ship are currently down. And um, in fact, if you're in any of the adventure of the seas, Facebook groups, you can see pictures that people have posted from the port of Galveston of cranes uh, doing repairs every time the ship comes back. And oh. so there are literally sections missing. Oh, and wow. so like, you can't use it at all without landing in the ocean. Yeah. Wow, that's I mean that's news to me, but obviously I mean if you're listening to this episode, I'm not sure when you know perhaps it'll that'll eventually get fixed. I'm certain. I mean, it's kind of surprising because I can't recall a time in which they've you know had to do that kind of lengthy work. But you know safety first, so you know I, I'd rather. <laughs> I certainly understand it's gonna be disappointing. I know my kids would be disappointed if if the water slides were not available, but you know it it is what it is. I guess um, so. Uh, I was gonna ask uh, with your with with adventure and and this particular four night cruise. Did you partake in any specialty dining on board, or were you main dining room? Uh, the only specialty dining we did was um, uh, Johnny Rockets, which, you know, it's not all that specialty, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, we were in the main dining room for all of our evening meals. Let's talk about Thanksgiving, because you were, you were in the main dining room then for Thanksgiving. What did you uh, describe kind of the Thanksgiving uh, meal there, and what did you think about it? It was the best meal we ate all week. Oh. Um, I mean, the food was good in yeah. the main dining room, but uh, they really did it up well on Thanksgiving. There, you know, there was ham, there was turkey, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, um, you know, anything that you would want um, that would be kind of those conventional Thanksgiving staples was was on the menu, and it was 
really good. In fact, yeah, I mean, it was the best meal we ate all week. Wow, that's great. And of course, you know, you have the in the main dining room, you have the normal whatever the main dining room menu would be. And then you also have some Thanksgiving items as well, uh, you know, turkey and uh, mashed potatoes and stuffing and cranberry sauce. So it's nice that you can kind of pick and choose, you know, if for some folks who love Thanksgiving turkey and can't imagine the holiday without it, for other folks say, you know what, I really just want a French onion soup and I'm going to get it tonight. So Right. You know, it. and that meal was so nice because, as you mentioned at the top of this, um, nobody cooked, nobody cleaned, yep. nobody hosted. And I was texting my mother-in-law and my wife's aunt, um, you know, the couple of weeks before the cruise, because you go to the grocery store and they begin to really, you know, stock up on all of the stuff you've got to have to make those meals and big end cap displays. And it was just so nice to walk past everything and think, I don't have to buy any of that. <laughs> it's very, it's a very liberating experience. You know, for me, the thing that always strikes me about Thanksgiving on a cruise is that I have to constantly remind myself that it's Thanksgiving, like the actual day, because I feel like when you're at home on Thanksgiving, it's it, it feels like Thanksgiving because you're usually probably doing like all your family routines on the holiday. You know, whether that's watching, you know, the the Lions football game or if you're, uh, you know, I, I, I other Thanksgiving <laughs> um, traditions that I can't think of off the top of my head. But, you know, on a cruise ship, it's a little different because you might be in port. You might be at the pool. Um, but it's kind of neat because it's like, oh, yeah, and there's Thanksgiving dinner being prepared for us. And all we have to do is just show up to it. Oh, yes. And that's, you know, there was just, there were touches of Thanksgiving, but it would have been easy to forget, you know, short of the meal um, that that was actually the day. One thing that they did that was really fun was on the uh, big screen out of the pool, uh, they aired all three NFL games. Oh, nice. And so the the pool, and what, that was probably our best weather day. Mm -hmm. uh, it had been a bit cool and windy the first two days. Uh, and of course, Cozumel, the weather was good. And then cruising back. That day, that just sunshine and great temperatures. And so the pool was packed, um, not only with people swimming, but, you know, all the football games are on and the Cowboys were playing. And of course, sailing out of Texas, you got a lot of Cowboy fans decked out in all of their in all of their silver and blue. And so it was it was a fun time out there. That felt Thanksgiving. -y. That's great. And again, you know, what's nice about also, you know, we're talking about, oh, you know, how Thanksgiving -y is the cruise. For some people, it's an opportunity to escape Thanksgiving. You know, it's that not that they don't celebrate, don't like Thanksgiving, but for some folks, it's just, you know, they want to do something a little bit different. And it's nice that you have the option of, you know, going all in with it or eating at a Zoomie on Thanksgiving and, you know, calling <laughs> that your, 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 your meal for the day. It's just Thursday. So it's nice that it's not over the top, but it's also there's enough there to certainly uh, keep you occupied. Oh, yeah. It was great. Great. What did you do in Cozumel? We did a dolphin encounter. Um, and so we went to Dolphin Eris. Okay. And uh, it was a Royal Caribbean um, excursion, and we had our kids with us. And so that was the only way to get off the ship with children was through um, a Royal Caribbean excursion. And so all of us that were on our, our whole family units, eight of us, um, went and did that Uh Let's see, five of us got in the water with dolphins and three just kind of hung out and watched. Um, and it was really great. It was small. There were probably only uh, maybe 20 people, hmm. maybe a few more. Um, and then the, we were split in half then. Uh, one had a more sort of involved uh, excursion experience with the dolphins. Uh, we just stood in the water and hung out with the dolphins. Other people got to like ride them and stuff, but that was a little more like dolphin proximity than I was interested in. <laughs> and so, uh, but we had a great time. 
weather was gorgeous. Um, the excursion itself was very well organized. The staff was great. Um, the one thing in particular that I found noteworthy about this particular excursion was that, you know, oftentimes you do something like this and, you know, they advertise, you know, unlimited food and drinks and, you know, you're kind of drinking, you know, kind of watered down rum punch or whatever, yeah. you know, I'll drink it cause it's there and I paid for it. But, um, but the margaritas and the lunch were oh, just fantastic. Like it was the best, best drink I had on the entire trip was the margaritas at Dolphin Aris. Ooh, that's great to hear. I, and, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been on many, a Royal Caribbean shore excursion in which, you know, it's a little bit of a letdown there, but I'm glad to hear that that was top quality stuff and you guys had a good time there. And, uh, you know, always nice to have uh, hear a review, especially after the pandemic, about you know what these tours are are like. And it feels like while the cruise ship uh, themselves are getting a little fuller, the excursions still seem to be lagging a little bit behind in terms of the capacity, which is nice. And some of the tours aren't quite as busy as they would have been pre-pandemic. Uh, do you have any sense of how many passengers were on board your particular sailing? The word that we got was that there were twenty four hundred, and so the math that we did put us right around sixty percent. Yep, that sounds about right. Cool. So, uh, was the wind jammer open for dinner? Feel, it felt full, but not. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel crammed in with anybody, but it wasn't def- it definitely wasn't some of the you know almost vacancy I've heard described in some of the early cruises. Yeah. No. Fair enough. I mean, we had you know forty one hundred people on the Harmony of the Seas the same week, and that was a, I think we had a smidge more percentage wise than you did, but uh, yeah, it's it's not it's a it's not quite what it was like, you know, over the early summer in which it was like, you know, you were kind of the only people there in any particular venue, but Hey, it's, there's, there's benefits to having more people on board, especially when you're doing the entertainment at night, whether it's a show or you're at one of the bars, it's just nice to have that kind of, uh, ambiance of other people around you it really does add to the experience in my opinion. Um, oh, one other thing, going back to Cozumel, we were docked, uh, right next to symphony of the seas. Mm hmm. And, you know, I know that ship is big, <laughs> but when you juxtapose, you know, it's not as though adventure is like, you know, some little sea skiff. I mean, it's a, it's a respectable cruise ship, but my Lord, that thing is enormous. And it got us very excited about going uh, on it this summer, but to be standing on deck, like on the pool deck on adventure and be looking up. Yep to see what's going on at, <laughs> at, at symphony it was just kind of wild. And then as in the afternoon, when we got back on the ship, we were up on the pool deck and it just seemed like, why did it get cloudy? It didn't get cloudy. It was symphony was casting a shadow <laughs> onto adventure. Listen, there's the Oasis class and there's everything else. And that <laughs> is, that's literal and, and, you know, uh, figurative as well, but uh, you know, listen, it's that <laughs> you're you're not wrong on that, but it's good that he's got a little preview of what's what's coming next, and you know, not that that adventure is any small ship by any means, but you know, it's uh, everything's relative in in, in life. So um, it's it's kind of funny though when you see that, especially if you're there with even a smaller ship like a Radiance class ship. But hey, that's good. Still had a good time on there. So I guess here's the question for you, Peter. What would you to? I guess someone's asked, you know, Peter, is it worth it to do a a Thanksgiving cruise in general, what would be your response? For me, absolutely. Hands down. Yes. You know, I think it could be more challenging. We don't have, you know, if you're one of those families where, you know, everybody goes to aunt Dorothy's every Thanksgiving and, you know, you're there for eight hours, 
you know, our family just doesn't have those kinds of, you know, it's kind of year to year almost yep. uh, figuring out what we do. So it was very easy for us to make that decision. Um, nobody was mad at us, um, but it, it's totally worth it. The, um, you know, it's nice to go catch some warmer weather. It was nice to not cook. Um, the kids were off of school anyway. My wife was off. My wife teaches school. So she was off. I didn't have to take, you know, I got that cruise feel without having to take, you know, eight days of vacation to go do a week long cruise somewhere. Nice. Absolutely worth it. Good. Well, Peter, thank you again for joining us here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. Oh, happy to be here. Can't wait to listen to more of these. Alrighty, time to answer some listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dig into the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast inbox and read the emails you've sent me about Royal Caribbean. If you'd like to send me an email, you can always do so by emailing it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Darcy, who writes, Hi, Matt. I just started listening to your podcast, and I love it. You offer so many great tips, and I'm especially excited to listen to your episodes about Coco Key. I've been on about 10 cruises on Carnival and Disney, but this will be my first Royal Caribbean cruise. I have a question about the internet package. We booked our cruise for next March all the way back in June. This is a friend's cruise, the group of 13 on Independence of the Seas. After we booked, I found out that my sister is pregnant and she will most likely have her baby the week before we leave. I want to be able to FaceTime her and the baby at least one day, once a day while I'm on the ship. I looked at the website and saw there are two different packages. Do you have to have the Voom Surf and Stream in order to FaceTime or will the Voom Surf Voyage package be enough? I don't need to stream movies or anything. I just want to be able to FaceTime for a few minutes each day. Thanks again for the podcast. Can't wait for our cruise. Darcy, thank you for the email. The truth is you want to get the Voom Surf and Stream. The difference between Surf and Stream and Surf Package is that the Surf Package is artificially throttled to be slower, so it prevents you from doing things like streaming video. Now, while you're not going to be watching movies, the ability to use FaceTime, you want to have the most bandwidth possible. And in general, regardless of what you want to use the internet for, I recommend getting the Surf and Stream Package. It's just overall a better experience. I don't think it's quite that much more money than the Stream Package, the regular Surf Package, I should say. So getting the Surf and Stream is the way to go. It'll just work better overall, and I think it's just a better use of your money. So especially on Liberty of the Seas, which does not have the super-duper high-speed internet like other ships do, I would definitely recommend going with the Surf and Stream package for you. And congratulations to your sister. That's fantastic news. Next, we have an email from Gretchen, from Gretchen Paul and Campbell from Dallas, Texas. Hi, Matt. We're finally able to get back to cruising. Love your podcast. Our cruise is in December. Can you give a post-COVID update on the Windjamer? Happy cruising. Well, the Windjamer is open for breakfast, lunch, and on ships that have exceeded 50% capacity, it'll be open for dinner, which is pretty much all ships at this point. Uh, you know, maybe a ship restarting operations might still be under 50%, but since Thanksgiving, it seems like the entire fleet has gone back up above 50% capacity. So again, you know, that can change, but as of right now, it's, uh, you know, dinner for 50% capacity or more. And basically it is just the same as it was before. The different the difference is that Royal Caribbean's crew members serve you instead of you serving yourself. You know, there was this whole thing, and it's still there to have like reservations to the Windjammer. It, it's never actually been implemented as far as I've been able to see. I think Royal kind of quickly read the the tea leaves there and thought that's not really necessary. And so uh, the other major change is that if you go into the Windjammer, you might have to scan your CPAS card. And then when you get out, you scan your CPAS card. That way Royal knows how many people are, you know, in the, in the Windjammer at one particular time. But otherwise, it's more similar than it's not. Uh, you know, in the food service, the types of foods they're doing, pretty much the same. In fact, on some of the ships I've been going over, especially in the last month or so, we've been able to serve ourselves again at the water stations uh, in the Windjammer. So it's basically the no the note the difference you're going to notice is that the crew is going to serve you, 
you're going to scan your CPS card when you walk in and dinner will be open if there is at least 50% capacity uh, on your sailing. So that's basically the, 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 what you need to know about the Windjammer as it currently is. Thank you for the email. Next email is from Stephanie Willoughby, who writes, first of all, love the blog and YouTube channel. My parents are taking us on a cruise in March 22 on Harmony of the Seas. I'm wondering if you've seen drink prices yet. I'm not sure if I should get the refreshment package and just pay for alcoholic drinks or go straight for the deluxe package. Thanks. That is Stephanie, thank you for the email. So really, when it comes to whether or not you should get the drink package, or the, in your case, should you upgrade to the deluxe beverage package, aka the alcohol package, you know, it really depends on how much you're going to drink. You know, for most alcoholic drinks, you're probably paying for beers around $8 or so. This is all pre-gratuity. $8 pre-gratuity, uh, most mixed drinks like, you know, rum and Cokes and whatnot, about 10 bucks. And then if you get the cocktails, whether they're, you know, martinis or uh, daiquiris, something like that, you're probably paying 12 or $13 depending on the ship you're on, right? And those are all included in, in your drink package. What you're really looking at, Stephanie, I think if, if you were trying to decide if you want to go to the from the refreshing package, the beverage deluxe beverage package is are you going to drink enough alcoholic beverages every day of your cruise to make it worthwhile? Certainly, it includes everything the refreshing package does. You still get your sodas and coffees and whatnot, but you've got to be drinking. I would imagine unless you're drinking just a ton of lattes every day, which is great. You know, I, I would imagine you're drinking somewhere in the ballpark of between four and seven alcoholic drinks a day in addition to certainly a latte or two and you know a bottle of water and juices and whatnot so it, which sounds like a lot honestly a lot i don't drink nearly as much on land when i'm at home as i do on a cruise ship it's just part of the vacation mode for me personally it's just that when you're on a ship you're sitting at the pool you're more likely to say yes i'm gonna grab a drink as opposed to when you're at home on a Saturday, you might not get as many drinks. You may you may be that person still gets as many drinks. I'm not, but it, it, I think it's important that when I talk about these numbers here in terms of how many drinks to quote unquote break even, that you're kind of thinking in vacation mode, not in I'm in my PJs at home mode, because I think those are two different mentalities when it comes to relaxing. And that's why at home, you might think to yourself, wow, five, seven drinks a day, that's a lot of drinks. You're on a cruise ship over the course of a day, it's a different it's a different ball game quite frankly so uh it's more of a gut check stephanie for you as to what will make sense or not there's some people who will say nope absolutely not others say absolutely yes so it's, it's really a question for you in terms of what you want to do you know one thing you could do and i've you're going on harmony of the seas which i'm going to assume is a seven night cruise and in that scenario don't forget you could go a day or two and then upgrade to the drink package later on the problem with doing that is any drinks you bought beforehand will not be included in there so you might not do too well in that regard, but you could go a day or two, see how it goes, and then decide if you want to upgrade or not. They'll certainly uh, prorate you for the rest of the drink package cost if that was of interest to you. Something to consider and keep in mind as you go forward. But yeah, it's it's hard for anybody to really tell somebody else, oh yes, you should or shouldn't get the drink package or the deluxe beverage package in this situation because I think it just comes down to personal preferences and how you vacation. Our next email is from Robert who writes, Hi Matt, I'm hoping you'll be able to answer my questions. Number one, what is Royal Caribbean doing when a port closes or is unable to port at certain locations? And number two, are they giving guests advance notice? And if so, how? Thank you for the email. So, um, the, what is Royal Caribbean doing when the port closes or unable? Really, we're talking about a handful of ports that are left that are doing this, primarily Grand Cayman. The Cayman Islands is one. Um, there's been a couple of situations like in Nassau, Bahamas, where they're doing construction and there's been an impact to the uh, ability for cruise ships to get in there. They've had to cancel calls, but that's been pretty rare. I would say in general, they're going to, you know, if they can't get somewhere, you're probably going to get a sea day, depending on how far in advance Royal Caribbean gets a notice of it. They may be able to swap out a port as an example. 
I've been on at least, oh gosh, two or three cruises that were supposed to go to Labadee and we ended up going to Perfect Day Coco Key instead. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's not a necessarily a one-to-one. -one. There's not a flow chart, Robert, that I can say, you know, if, if this happens, then expect that. It kind of depends on a, a few different variables. And in terms of advanced notice, I mean, sometimes the notice comes just a couple days before the cruise. I remember on our Harmony of the Seas group cruise, they changed Antigua to St. Kitts literally, gosh, three or four days before the cruise set sail. And, you know, sometimes it's that you get the notice in advance, like weeks in advance. Sometimes it's just days in advance. So it's just kind of all over the place. And if there is a notice, by the way, they do send an email either to yourself, your travel agent, or both. So look for an email would be the, your primary way of knowing about it. Thank you for the email, Robert. Do appreciate it. And our next email this week comes to us from Kayla Trujillo of Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Kayla, thank you for the email. I hope I did not butcher your name too badly. Uh, hi, Matt. My husband and I are two kids, kids ages five and three, are booked on Oasis of the Seas for April 2022. We're traveling with my father. We're all so excited. We've never used Adventure Ocean, but we're excited to try it for the first time with our kids. I have a few questions about the program and leaving our kids on the ships. Number one, in Cosmo, we wanted to do a cenote excursion, but because we'll be traveling with unvaccinated kids, we'll have to book through Royal Caribbean. There is not a cenote excursion that will allow our children because of their ages. We're thinking about leaving them on board, but the activity is nine hours long. It seems like a really long time to leave them on board. Is it? Can I even book Adventure Ocean for that long? I mean, it's not a short excursion. You're not wrong on that, but you wouldn't be the first parents to do so. And yes, you are allowed to leave your kids in Adventure Ocean as long as your ship is in port. What you're going to do is you're going to let Adventure Ocean know, hey, we've got a tour coming up on whatever day of the cruise, and we need our kids to be there. The Royal Caribbean will guarantee that your kids will be able to be in Adventure Ocean for the duration while you're on your tour. Keeping in mind, by the way, that you, know, you can't necessarily, as long as the ship is in port, I would say you can't exceed it. But I mean, obviously, if you... You know, you got to be back on the ship before the ship leaves. That's, that's my point. But, uh, you know, there'll be Adventure Ocean is open in port while the ship is in port. The only uh, difference in hours, actually, if your tour begins really early, like I think on the port day, usually Adventure Ocean opens at nine. But since your tour is pretty long, you know, maybe your port, your tour begins a little earlier than they're, they're scheduled to open. Again, that's why you want to let them know in advance. They will staff Adventure Ocean earlier than posted if you have a Royal Caribbean excursion. If you're doing it on your own, that's not allowed. Uh, they, they won't do that for you. So something to keep in mind. And I mean, the good news is that they'll feed the kids. They'll have a great time. Uh, I've left our kids in Adventure Ocean. I'm not sure we've ever done nine hours, certainly. But, you know, it, you, you wouldn't be the first parents to do so. It is one of the benefits of, of having Adventure Ocean and booking a tour through Royal Caribbean. So embrace it. And number two, if you leave them on board, the ship won't leave without us, right? I worry so much about the ship sailing away with my kids on board and us off on an excursion. What if we decided to do an excursion not through the ship while they are in Adventure Ocean? I'm sure I'll have more questions as we get closer. We love to cruise. Our last cruise, when I was pregnant with our youngest, we planned a cruise for once she was old enough to get on board, and then the world turned upside down, so we're now excited to get back on a ship. Thank you so much. Yeah, so like I said, kind of alluded to earlier, you know, obviously... The, the ship, I mean, listen, if you flagrantly do not show up to the ship, yes, the ship will leave you behind whether your kids are in Adventure Ocean or not. If you're on a Royal Caribbean tour, the nice thing about a Royal Caribbean tour is that the tour operator can communicate back with the cruise ship and be like, hey, we're running a few minutes behind here, you know, and, and that is something that Royal Caribbean says that they'll, they'll work with and make sure they can't promise the ship will stay there like indefinitely waiting, but they'll get you back on board. As it relates to your kids, I mean, obviously it's just a better fit to do it through the cruise line, uh, certainly. Now, if your tour, I'm going to be, now, uh, that's the official answer. As a parent, if the tour is scheduled to get back exactly the same time that your ship is scheduled to depart, uh, Cozumel, I might be a little leery of that personally. Like, nine hours is a long time, but if you're in port for 12 hours or 11 hours, and there's a little bit of a gap there, I wouldn't worry too much about it. 
But again, if your ship is scheduled to leave at five and you're getting back at, gosh, 4.30 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it just seems like it's playing with fire unnecessarily. And a cenote excursion sounds amazing, but it's just, that might be a little bit for me. I think my wife would be the first to admit that uh, as well. We might not go in that direction. And because your kids are a little bit younger, you know, you just don't need to tempt fate. Again, even though Royal Caribbean, you know, with their tour operator being a Royal Caribbean excursion, that'd be a thing. Now, if you're going to do it on your own, I would only go on your own if you were doing an excursion that was significantly less time. You know, when it comes to Cozumel, the reason I'm assuming why your excursion is so long is because you're going to the mainland. Cozumel is an island, and you're taking a ferry to the mainland. I personally, and this is just Matt speaking, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, just my own personal opinion, I personally would not leave my kids on board a ship and then go to the mainland. Um, the, the, the ferry to the mainland and back is notorious for rough sea conditions and just who knows what. I, I Personally, I wouldn't do that. If you want to do a tour on Cozumel, and, which I'm sure they don't have cenotes on Cozumel, the actual island, you know, or do something else, I think that's totally fine. And we've done that many, many, many times. But doing a tour on the mainland, leaving your kids on the ship is, is just kind of a bridge too far, in my opinion, because there's a, obviously there's a get, you can't like just run back to the ship kind of situation. You're, you're kind of at the mercy of that ferry service and weather and all it's just it's it's just too much for for me personally are there people kayla that have done that i'm sure 100 percent. i'm sure there's been a ton of people who have done that i'm sure if you talk to the shore excursion staff at, on the ship they would tell you oh yeah we've had just you know all these groups have been able to do it but you're the one who's got to be able to sleep at night so you know i just wanted to share my my thoughts on on the situation along with obviously what royal company will give you but yes adventure ocean will be there and uh, to, to take care of your kids if you book through Royal Caribbean, if you're doing an independent short excursion, that's fine as well. They'll only be open during the hours that they have posted, which is usually like nine to whenever the heck you're, whenever your cruise ship is in port, basically. So Jill from Illinois has our next question. Hi, Matt. Thanks for all the great advice and insight you provide. We're cruising as a family of 11 on Oasis of the Seas uh, soon. <laughs> Welcome back. We have four kids who aren't vaccinated yet, so we'll have to do the COVID testing at the port. Do you still use porters when you arrive? We've heard of someone whose kid was negative with the prior test and positive at the port. Just curious how they handle our luggage until we know for certain we're all A-OK -okay for cruising. With a group this big, we know anything could happen. Joe, thanks for the email. So when it comes to the, the testing, and I just did this again with my kids. So I've done this two times now with my kids in the United States uh, going on a cruise. The process has been... You get to the cruise terminal, you, you you check in your luggage, and then you, with the porters, then you go do the basic check-in, like where they check your basic paperwork, and then before you go through security, but before you go to the actual check-in, to the, the counter, if you will, you are directed to the luggage area where you do the COVID testing for your unvaccinated kids. Once that's complete, they bring you upstairs. The If someone were to test positive, uh, they're going to obviously take care of you. You heard a little bit about that, actually, in this week's episode with Peter talking about some family that was there and they're going to be able to find your luggage and bring it back. And, you know, kind of, it's gonna be a process obviously, but I wouldn't see, you know, it's not like they're going to throw it overboard or be like, what luggage, what are you talking about? You know, I wouldn't necessarily hold your luggage back either because it would basically require you to go back outside and restart the entire process. Like, oh, somebody doing that. I mean, you could do that, but it, it seems unlikely, you know, in terms of statistically speaking that that would happen, especially if your kids had the, you know, are supposed to get the test beforehand, just like everybody in your group. So if everybody tests negative, you know, two or three days before your cruise, the chances of testing positive at the terminal are, are low. It's not unheard of, certainly. But Royal Caribbean will work with you and get you all your stuff back. But the process is you're going to drop your luggage off at the porter, do the kind of the pr preliminary check-in, 
go through security. They're going to then do the COVID test, or sometimes they do the COVID test, then security, depends on the port, I suppose. And then you go through the whole thing there. So hopefully, Jill, that answers your concern there. And our last email is from Gabriel from Ottawa, Canada. Hi, Matt. Thought I'd share a tip for your Canadian listeners. Then I also have a question for you. It's important to know that re-entry into Canada, antigen tests are not accepted. PCR or molecular tests, on the other hand, are valid. I was looking into this ahead of my Odyssey of the Seas cruise because I needed to know if I get a PCR on board within 72 hours of my flight back to Canada. I called the Royal Caribbean and was told that PCR tests are available and are actually complimentary. However, my travel agent only had to pay 79 bucks. So unsure about the cost, but I'm happy as long as I get the PCR test result in time. Is this your understanding as well? And do you know if there's a cost? Actually, uh, Gabriel, I, I can tell you for uh, for a fact that it's complimentary and it is offered on board the ship. In fact, when I was on Harmony of the Seas, Gabriel, I saw outside people's stateroom doors, little cards. Like for us, we got them for our kids who were unvaccinated. So please schedule your kids, you know, uh, seven night cruise, they had to get tested before we got back home. And for the Canadians, it would say schedule your PCR test for Canadian visitors because they could tell in the system, obviously you're from Canada. So that would uh, be the case. But no, it's, it's complimentary to do the testing, which is a phenomenal value. Again, this is for at the end of the cruise, not before the cruise. I think your travel agent may be thinking about what happens before the cruise, like at the cruise terminal. This is about at the end of the cruise, you're trying to get back into Canada. And yes, those tests are available. I've done a number of tests on board Royal Caribbean ships to either do a back-to-back -back or a side-to-side, -side, you know, where, where I'm going on a, the same ship again or a different ship within three days. And those tests have been administered to me as well. Those have been complimentary. So yeah, you're good to go, Gabriel. Thank you for the email there. Thank you for everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending them to Matt at Royal Caribbean Blog.com. Matt M A T T at Royal Caribbean Blog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt and we'll talk again real soon.